Hello, and welcome to Legal Management Talk, the official podcast of the Association of Legal Administrators. I'm your host, Justin Askenazy. Leading business development is a role that often falls upon firm administrators, but it can easily fall by the wayside when faced with the many other day-to-day tasks involved in running a law firm. However, now is the time to start redoubling your efforts and making sure your attorneys are involved, says our guest today, David Freeman. David is a leading business development coach and is also the creator of Lawyer Book Builder, an online self-study program that shows lawyers how to turn themselves into major rainmakers. Welcome, David. It's great to have you on. Thank you. Really appreciate getting the chance to share some of this information with people. Definitely. So given these uncertain economic times, you know, is there a recession, is there not, layoffs, hiring, whatever's going on, business development seems critical for firms. Why is it so important that firms focus on that subject? You know, and it's, it's very interesting because there are typical cycles like we're in right now where there is the fear of what's coming. And therefore, there's often a knee-jerk reaction that says, let's go cut the budget. And yet, this is the time when one needs to redouble efforts to be able to go out there and build relationships with clients, to stay in front of them. Actually, from a counterintuitive point of view, it actually is a better time because everybody else is cutting back, which means that the lawyers that are actually more aggressive and more forward, they can build relationships because it's a little quieter out there. And so it's really, really important to do this, to do things like uh, focus on cross-selling. Because if there is going to be some concern out there to try to get new clients, then how can we try to get more share of wallet from the existing clients we have? So I've seen this. I've been around the block. I've been doing this for about 30 years. So these cycles, they come and they go. And I've seen a lot of firms that are, like I say, going through that knee-jerk reaction of let's look at everything that is below the bottom line things that we can cut without really thinking about what the impact of that will be. And for those that get it, this is the time to be investing in business development, investing in building the relationships, investing in training the lawyers to give them the tools so they can go out there because they can make actually a stronger impact at this time. It's, it's an interesting dynamic that goes on that people have to fight through a natural tendency. Right. So if a firm is looking at um, potentially cutting back their budget. How do they know if it's, uh, you know, if it's a knee-jerk reaction and they should take a step back, or whether they're moving forward with the right decision? Yeah, I mean, if it's going to really impact the economics of the firm to be investing in business development, and the firm could go out of business, I'm overstating it, but maybe not by a lot. Then, of course, one needs to do that. But business development is the lifeblood of growing a practice. And so, yes, it might take away a little bit of the profitability in the short term of what some lawyers might take home right away. But like anything else, you have to do things today to invest in your future for tomorrow. And business development is one of those things. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting game to play because it would be nice to know that I do this today and I'm going to get this tomorrow. It's just not the way it goes with business development. One has to go and nurture relationships over time. One has to build fame, so to speak, over time. So lawyers that want to build a practice in a certain area, they're going to have to speak. They're going to have to write. 
they're going to have to get on podcasts like this. They're going to have to invest their time, their energy, and perhaps their money to be able to get out in front of the world. And, you know, it's interesting when you see folks that run organizations that come more from a marketing and sales background as compared to an accounting background. And it's just, you know, it's, it's how we're trained, right? So people that come from a money accounting background are often looking to cut costs and that's how they're measured. I know firms that the in-house people are measured by how much cost they can cut. That is the wrong measure. You can't cut yourself to greatness. And so by having more of a growth building mindset, of course, with the logic of how much do we have to spend and what's the right place to put it, but that's that. these are the organizations that grow and thrive, the ones that are going to nurture their future. And one just has to be careful of the, the wrong measures and putting the wrong measures in place. And I know this is something you may want to chat about, but it's just interesting to think about what measures are the right measures and the wrong measures. No, exactly. What What are some examples of you know wrong measures versus right measures? Yeah, well, I think the example of Cut costs just to cut costs. Uh, you know, uh, it, it, they're just easy budget items to be able to slash because we don't feel that immediate return on them. So we've got to be careful of that, especially if we have the longer view in place, which is, let's say we've got mid-level and senior associates. And these are people that we want to, we've invested in them. We want them to stay with us. And if we start cutting costs for things that could be valuable in their growth and development, we know how they've moved a lot these days. There are a lot of firms that I work with, especially some of the larger firms that really get that. And they have put together even more programs to create more cohesion and connection amongst the lawyers in their firm because they know that retention is an issue. So it's sometimes shifting resources from one place to another. And then the flip of your question, which is where are some of the right places things to measure. Uh, you know, there's some subtle things in here. In the article that I wrote for the uh, cover article for the publication this month, you know, we talk about a lot of different measures in different areas. One of the, uh, you know, one of the areas we talk about is cross-selling, or as I like to call it, cross-serving. And, you know, there's three measures that I love in there. One measure is how many times can we get our lawyers talking about potential cross opportunities. Just that can be the first domino that makes a lot of other great action happen. Measure number two, how many times are we talking to clients about possible cross ways we can serve them? Not sell, it's not cross selling, even though that's what we normally call it, but that shuts people down. So I like to think of it as cross serving because if we're in service to our clients, we're much more likely to want to engage in these kind of bright conversations. So measure the number of meetings that happen with clients to talk about new opportunities. And then measure number three, we may not get, me we may not get work out of that first meeting. And so often what happens is the new lawyer with the new practice meets that client. The client says something like, we'll keep you top of mind. They're going to forget. So the third measure is how many times can we keep the new practice in front of that client? so that they are constantly being reminded in elegant and welcomed ways that the new practice exists. So those, for example, are three great measures to have in place. And you know, one of the challenges is what we measure. So what's typical to measure in a law firm 
revenue and billable hours. The challenge of that is that revenue and billable hours, these are things that are not really in everybody's control. We want to measure as leaders the things that are in our control because then they will lead to billable hours and revenue. So that's why this art of measuring the right things is really, really important. No, definitely. Um, and, you know, I know you were, you mentioned earlier kind of lawyers' perception around uh, business development. And, um, you know, I'm sure administrators hear a lot, I don't have time or my workload's too full already, or, you know, this might hurt the uh, amount of pay I'm going to take home. Uh, what's kind of the, the workaround for administrators there? Yeah, you know, it is an interesting, again, knee-jerk reaction. It's real. I mean, they are very busy often, uh, sometimes not, but there is usually time. And so the game is a few things. One is to get some one-on-one -on -one coaching time with the individual lawyers and to get them to do some future planning exercises. What does your desired future look like in whatever the time frame is? Let's just say 10, 15 years. What would an exceptional practice look like for you? Well, I'd be doing X, Y, and Z. All right. Well, how do you think you're going to get there? What do you think you need to do that's different because you don't have that practice today? What do you think needs to happen? And it's, it's leading the horse to water, really. It, we have to, again, overcome that knee-jerk first thought because people are thinking about today, but they're not necessarily thinking about the watering, the seeding, the fertilizing, the sunshine that needs to be put on efforts so that that big, robust tree will be grown in the future. And so by getting them to do the future planning and then reverse engineer back to today and realize, can you just take some small steps to start doing the things you need to do to get there? Now they're probably going to start finding time. Another thing uh, related to this, finding where their passion is. I remember there was one firm and they did a retreat and they had their lawyers go through an exercise of anticipating what their clients might need in the, ten, in the next 10 years. They came up with about 35 or 40 different areas. And then they did a, an exercise where they refined it down to about, I think it was six to eight areas. And then they asked, who cares about this enough that you would like to lead this effort? And it was generally senior associates that stood up and said, I'm really interested in you know, drone law and I'm interested in whatever. And these people, even though they were very busy associates, there's a sense of passion, a sense of leadership, a sense of growth. And then along with that, business development can be a very lonely sport. And so can you find others to put together so that they can hunt in a pack. And when people are doing things together, they're more motivated to do it. They don't wanna let down the other person. There can be this role of what I call the watcher, where they kind of watch each other and hold each other accountable. So it's a lot of these little games that could be played to be able to get these things done. Uh, so you know, one of the big pictures is a leader needs to be a dealer in hope. I think Napoleon said that. And so the question is, what is the picture of hope of the future of what someone would hope their career looks like? A good leader coaches people to be able to see that and then again, helps them figure out what that path will look like to get there. So uh, now that you've you know 
gotten your attorneys on board okay. and uh you know you've trained them on cross-serving and many of the other strategies that you mentioned in your article which by the way i encourage everyone uh watching listening to go uh read for some more uh you know context and background on on what we're talking about and uh, that article will be linked in the description um so you do all that and um you know and i really like how in that article you say a lot and measure the heck out of these activities um and i know you you kind of mentioned this a little bit ago but um you know again what are some of the best ways to uh, measure um you know how much is done by the administrator versus by the the attorneys um you know who who's passing off the 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 tape measure so to speak yeah that's a great question you know the lawyers need to be doing a lot of the measuring on their own because you know we got to teach them to fish and they need to take responsibility for the arc of their own career but often they don't know what to measure in their fishing <laughs> and so that's where the leader can be a great facilitator of coming up with some of that stuff and so I've, I've got a little list here of things that I could just refer to to give you an example from that lawyer book builder course that you mentioned. I've got a whole section on what I call progress measures, those measures that you have control over. And so, for example, I've got a module on building the right habits. So one could measure, you know, sticking with my schedule to engage in business development. So if a person, if a lawyer makes a commitment to say every Friday from 9 to 9.30, I'm going to focus on business development. Well, measure, are you sticking with that? Little things like that. Um, let's see, crafting my personal brand. So that's a certain topic. So a measure there. Have I updated my bio on my law firm bio and on LinkedIn? That's a measure. Another measure subset in that can be, have I added any new representative matters? That could be a measure in there. Let's see, what else do I have? Um, building my personal brand. The number of conversations I have with new people who I haven't met before. And then there's that whole idea of what some people call the elevator pitch. I hate that phrase. I talk about it. How do you start a memorable conversation? But how many of these memorable conversations can you engage in with people? And this is a great measure for, let's say you have a, a lawyer who's going off to a conference. And when they're at a conference, do they really know what to do? And so to measure how many people who are good targeted people can you start a conversation with? And then here's the really important measure. How many next steps can you get when you meet someone? Because often you meet someone, hey, this was great. Hope to see you again sometime. <laughs> and you never, there's no excuse for following up. So for lawyers to think through what a next step might be like, Let's say, Justin, I've met you and you're in my target audience. And I might say, you know, Justin, I'm doing a podcast on the topic of, and I'd love to invite you as a guest. Or I'm writing an article and I'd love to interview you. Or if after asking good questions and probing, which is another measure, it could be, um, you know, we happen to do in-house presentations on the topic that we just talked about. Would that be of any interest? So you notice I'm trying to get a next date, a next step. And this was, there was a study done of 35,000 sales calls. They identified 119 factors in sales. The number one 
indicator of success was asking great questions. Number two was getting a next step after meeting with someone. There's a, a phrase that I've heard that I love. It's an acronym, BAMFAM, which is a book, a meeting, from a meeting. And to have that stuck in the head of the lawyers to think when I'm meeting with somebody, hmm, how can I get a next step? These are the kinds of measures that most lawyers don't have in their head, and therefore opportunities that could be coming their way are just flying right by them because they don't know what they're measuring. So it's examples like that that can be helpful. And definitely. Um, how, how do you deal with the people who maybe kind of are resisting that approach? Uh, you know, the world of the bell curve <laughs> is the world that we have to live in. And so on the back end of the bell curve, you've got people who are going to resist it. You know, God bless them, offer things to them so they don't feel left out, but don't push it. The front end of the bell curve, you give them a lot of love. They are the motivated, they're the excited, but it's kind of that middle part of the bell curve. And if you know the crossing the chasm model of the early adopters, early majority, and so on, you go and give support to the early folks that care. Then the next group kind of sees that and says, hmm, you know, I want in on that. And then you offer it to them. And then there'll be a next group after that that needed to have the bigger group convinced before they are deciding they want to jump in. So you kind of work with the coalition of the willing to get started because nobody's got the time to go fight. Go after those that care. And then that bandwagon approach with good internal PR, that's another thing to measure. So you kind of said, what can leaders do? To tell the progress stories, the success stories of other lawyers in the firm, so that people start to think, wow, that was cool. Number two, never thought about doing it that way. I just learned something. And number three, I want notoriety myself. So let me do something. And so, you know, there's a lot of wizard behind the curtain stuff that has to happen to motivate people and inspire them to get into action. And these are some of the ways to do it. Now, um, I think a lot of the tips you're providing today are, you know, invaluable. And the good news is, is that you're going to be sharing them in a, a monthly column in legal management starting in March. Uh, can you tease any of the uh, business development topics that you'll be covering in that column? Yeah, you know, uh, we talked about a number of things in this article that I just did, and we'll kind of blow it up a little bit more and go deeper. So um, cross-selling or cross-serving is a major topic in there. Uh, I think probably I'll talk about building a personal brand and helping lawyers really stand out. And there's this thing that I lovingly call the battle of the bios, because most bios stink. They don't tell any story that makes anybody differentiated from anybody else, really. And so there are ways to tease more of the human, more of the differentiators out of our lawyers so that they can create bios that really stand out. Well, we could talk about ways to deliver what I call wow levels of service. And, you know, again, if you look at most law firm uh, websites, homepages about our firm, there's usually some phrase about how we deliver exceptional levels of service. With all due respect, it's average. And it's across the board. Everybody does it differently. So to give specific tools, specific examples on how to deliver higher levels of service are things that I can do in there. Um, I may talk about the role of the watcher. 
because that's a major role that the leaders, the ALA members can play is you can't go do the work for them. But if you can play the role of watching, helping, pushing things along, measuring, being transparent, reporting, things like that can help move it along. So those are some of the topics that um, that I can cover. And just think, another thing that's really important is this idea of staying top of mind. I mentioned it when we talked about the three measures for cross-serving, but this applies across the board. I mean, lawyers who get it, they're not letting their name go stale. And they're figuring out the right audiences to be in front of and how to be in front of them, both in a, a mass way, meaning speaking, writing, social media, and so on, and then also a one-off kind of a way to have a list of the top people they should be in touch with, and then good reasons and good excuses for reaching out one-on-one -on -one to be able to make that happen. I mean, I did it myself just now, and literally five minutes before this call, I got an email from a managing partner saying, hey, I want to introduce you to this person in our firm for you to talk to them. And it's because I reached out en masse, and then I also reached out individually to be able to make that happen. So we'll cover a lot of things that I think are really helpful for the administrative staff to know to be able to help drive and support the lawyers in the behavior that serves the lawyers, it serves the clients, and it serves the firm. Fantastic. I know I'm looking forward to learning a, a lot more about, about all of that. So I right. uh, can't you. wait. Um, okay. Well, uh, thanks so much for uh, talking to me today, David. It was great My to pleasure. have you here. Yep. No, thank you so much. I, I just love this stuff. And <laughs> it just is so interesting that folks are just missing the little pieces to get the bridge to form, to get to the next level. And it's these little pieces that can make a whole difference in a lawyer's career, in an administrator's career. And so however I can share them, I appreciate the opportunity to be able to do that. Thank you. Absolutely. It's so important. Uh, thanks to our viewers, listeners, and subscribers for tuning in. If you like the show, please subscribe on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast so that you never miss an episode. And as always, you can learn more about ALA at alanet.org. Until next time.